Wonderful. Well, good morning, and uh, welcome to a brand new series that we're starting this weekend that we are calling Gaining by Losing. And uh, really, really excited about this series. It's actually going to last for the next four weeks, and so we're going to be in this series for four weeks as we ramp up and as we lead to the launch of our Saturday evening services, which is coming on October 8th. So that's just a month away uh, that we are going to be launching a Saturday evening service. You may have heard through the grapevine uh, that that is a decision that we are making together as a church. We're going to be moving to two Saturday evening services on October 8th, 5.15 p.m., 7 o'clock p.m., and then, of course, we'll keep our Sunday morning services as well. And so we're real, real excited about making this move um, together. Part of the reason we're doing this series, Gaining by Losing, is almost as a way to help prepare our church a little bit as we, uh, as we look to make this move into uh, Saturday evening services. So we hope to kind of have the conversation of why is it that we're moving to Saturdays and what is it going to take for us collectively as a campus to kind of make that move. Uh, like I said, some of you guys may have heard that we've been looking to make this decision for a while, and so we have been working very, very hard. Uh, many of you who are serving at the Medina East Campus have been working very, very hard to make this happen. Our staff has been working around the clock, and uh, we're going to be working uh, overtime this month. And so if you guys can, pray for us because we know it's going to be a busy season. In fact, just to kind of give you a window into just some of the things that have been happening behind the scenes to prepare for Saturday evenings, I thought maybe I'd just show you a quick video uh, just to give you a picture of some of what we've been doing to prepare for Saturday. So let's just watch this video real quick as we start off our service. All right, guys, you guys know Saturday services are coming up soon. And so, man, we are, we are like a month away from this, you guys. So listen, I need your best ideas, okay? This is like full throttle, pedal to the metal. I need everyone's best effort, all right? If we're gonna pull this thing off, no one no can one be can slacking slack off. off. We need yeah, everyone, everyone giving it their very, very, very best. best.
Right, Dan? Dan. Dan. Earth to Dan. You got it? You got the plan? All right, let's go. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, as you guys can see, we have no idea what we're doing. And <laughs> so we need your help. But uh, I think my favorite part about that video is literally nothing has to do with Saturday night services. And so that's a blast. But, uh, but yeah, so we're, we're moving to Saturday evening services, and we want to announce that we're excited about that. But the series, by the way, is much more than just an announcement uh, that we're moving this way. It also, it really is an explanation. And we want to talk about why is it that we want to make this move? What is the logic uh, that we kind of put behind that? And the other thing is it's also an invitation. Uh, we really want this to be an invitation to all of those who call the Medina East Campus home into the movement of what's happening here at Grace Church. We want to invite you into that uh, movement. I do want to just tell you as we jump into this series, this series is categorically different than any series we've ever done here at Grace Church before. And so I just want to let you know that if you are a guest with us here this morning, we are so thankful that you're here like Clark had mentioned, but you do need, you do need to know this is not a typical Sunday for us. And so uh, there are going to be points in the conversation today that I want to talk just directly with those who are part of the Medina East Campus family. And so if you're a person who regularly attends here at the Medina East uh, Campus, you've been coming for a while, this series is really geared for you. We're going to be talking, kind of having a family talk uh, at different parts in this conversation. So if you are a guest, though, I will just say, even though this is different than any other Sunday and any other series that we typically do, I'm also really thankful you're here. Uh, because you get to listen in on the conversation and you get to kind of hear what is the heart of this church anyway. And so if you're investigating Grace Church and trying to figure out what we're all about, I think you're going to get that as you kind of hear us talk a little bit about uh, our decision to kind of move into Saturday evening services. Um, today's message title, you probably noticed in your programs, is called Blessed. Okay, that's the message title for this morning. And today what I want to do is I actually want to navigate and talk through a little bit of what does it really mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be Blessed. And if you think about it, that term blessed is a really fascinating one, isn't it? Um, it is definitely a churchy word. Um, you, you hear it in context of uh, religion and God. People say blessed all the time. And I think, at least I, this is my opinion, but I think it's one of those words that's so overused in our culture today that in some ways it's almost kind of lost its meaning, right? And so if you just think about it for a second, think about the wide range of usage in which we tend to use that word blessed. So for example, we have a lot of modern day mottos or cliches. So we say things like, God bless America, right? We say that, we sing that, we stamp that on bumper stickers in the back of our car. Think about the way we pray. For those of us who pray, what do we oftentimes pray? We pray for blessing, right? Uh, God bless us, God bless our family, God bless our church, God bless our home, God bless our food. Uh, we ask God to bless things for us. What do we say when someone sneezes? We say, God bless you or bless you, which has always been strange to me. I don't know why it is that that bodily function evokes us to ask for God's blessing. So a little homework assignment for you this week. I challenge you to bless someone after a different bodily function. Tell me how that goes, all right? And uh, just kind of stuff. We, we use this word a lot. We say that there's blessings in disguise. That's something that we talk about. We say that we need to count our blessings. So there's a wide range of use when it comes to this term bless. You add on top of that, uh, the, the, the kind of popularization of, of the, the uh, social media phenomenon, hashtag blessed, right? You guys have heard that before, hashtag blessed. Um, if you're on social media, uh, whatever that choice is, you know that this is a big thing. Uh, people will post things and afterwards uh, they will put hashtag blessed. Just a quick sampling from even just this past week, I searched on uh, Twitter 
and looked up some hashtag blessings. Here's a few that I found just to show you kind of the expansive use of this term. One person said this from this past week. They said, thanking God for allowing me to see another day. Hashtag blessed, right? So it's just kind of a sampling of what we see. Here's another one that came from Twitter. This person said, this is from last Sunday. This person said, I'm just so happy not to have school tomorrow. Hashtag blessed, right? Understand that totally, right? This next one I thought was really good. This one we can all relate to. True, truly a blessing, another win from the Ohio State University. Woohoo! Yeah, and they barely squeaked by yesterday, didn't they? <laughs> it was an absolute upset. And then this last one was my favorite uh, from, from Twitter. This one's great. Caught a piece of bacon falling out of my sandwich right before it hit the ground. <laughs> then they followed up with hashtag blessed, right? Hashtag blessed. And so like I said, you can see there's a wide range in which we use this term, blessed or blessing or bless, right? But that begs a real, question, real good question. What exactly does that mean? Because I think that in our culture, in our society today, when we say the word blessed or that we are blessed, a lot of times what we mean is we mean that we're thankful for something. I think what we mean sometimes is that we have found ourselves in a fortunate circumstance, that things are going our way, and that things are working out as we had hoped they would work out. Um, and we oftentimes attribute blessing to a wealth of material possessions and so we'll say things like, uh, man, I got, got my house, house of my dreams. We just, we just landed the house of our dreams. Hashtag blessed. We're so blessed. Uh, we say things like this. I have three healthy kids. I am so blessed to, to be in that situation. And listen, I think that all of those definitions and understandings of blessing carry some legitimacy to them. But I think that all of them fall short of what it truly means to be blessed. Because if you think about it for a minute, if I say, got my, 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 uh, my dream house, got three healthy kids, that means I'm blessed. What we're inadvertently saying is if you don't have your dream house, if say, for example, your house got foreclosed on, well, that must mean that you're not blessed. Or if you don't have three healthy kids, or if you can't have kids, that must mean that you're not blessed. And of course, that is not true. And so the question then is, what does it really mean to be blessed? And how do you really get down to it? So today what I want to do is I actually want to just give a definition, a biblical definition of what does it mean to be blessed and, a if you will, a biblical theology of blessing, all right? So my hope, my hope is that we can kind of get that, our heads around that together. And I think that if you want to go to a passage that really helps clarify this idea of blessing, the best place to go is probably Genesis chapter 12. And so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you take them with me? We're going to flip to Genesis chapter 12 together this morning, and we're going to look at a relatively famous passage of Scripture um, if you've been around the church for a while. So Genesis 12. Uh, let me just say, if you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, by the way, that's not a problem. We have some Bibles that are for you in those chairs, so you can grab those Bibles. Turn with me to, uh, to Genesis chapter 12, page 8 in those Bibles. And then, as we always say, I'll say it again, if you don't own a Bible and uh, you would like one, we think it's real important that you have one. So you could just take one of ours, put your name in that, make it a gift from us to you. Okay, so Genesis chapter 12. And uh, as you guys are flipping there, what we're going to find today, this passage is what is sometimes called the call of Abraham or the call of Abram. Now, my guess is, even if you're not a Bible person, you probably are at least somewhat familiar with the name Abraham. Um, it is hard to overstate the cultural and historical significance of this guy, Abraham. Just think about this for a minute. Three of the major world religions that represent over half of the world's population today, numbering in the billions, look at Abraham as the father of their faith. 
And so even if you're a person that, that, that's not a religious person, understanding the story of Abraham is important to understand our culture because over half of the world's population looks at this guy as the father of their faith. And so the, his story, the story of Abraham, begins in Genesis chapter 12. And so we're going to take a look at just the first three verses here this morning. Let's take a look. It begins with God talking to Abraham uh, and making a promise to Abraham, or what is sometimes called a covenant to Abraham. So let's take a look at this. Here's, here's how it starts. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, from your people, from your father's household to the land that I will show you. And then he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will, here's our word, I will bless you, he says, and I'm going to make your name great, and you will be a blessing. There it is again. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so here you have the call of Abraham, three short verses, but my guess is one of the things that probably sticks out to you right away is in three verses, five times you have this word blessing. Blessed, blessed, blessed. God says to Abraham, he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your comfort. And he says, and if you do that, follow me. Where? I'm not saying. You just need to follow me. He says, and if you follow me in faith, I will bless you. And then he says, and, and, and then you will be a blessing to those around you. And he says, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And he says, and through all the nations of the world, through you, they will be blessed so five times you have this term blessing shift. And like I said, I love this passage because I think it helps give us some very clear pictures of what, of what a, a theology of blessing looks like. The first thing I want you to look at with me together is I want to just talk about the word itself, the word bless that's used here five times in Genesis chapter 12 and all over the scripture. Um, the original word, if you were to take it and pull it back into the original Hebrew language, uh, Hebrew is the, is the language in which the Old Testament was written, it is the word barach, okay? Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. You can ask Pastor Seth later. He probably knows. But basically, it is something like the word barach. Now, what that word means is it's translated blessing, Sometimes it's translated favor, uh, but what it literally means, it's a root word, and it means to bend the knee. That's what the word means. It means to kneel down, okay? This word is used in other places in the Old Testament, so let me give you another example. In Genesis chapter 24, this same word is used. I want you to take a look at this verse. It says about Abraham's servant in Genesis chapter 24, it says, he had the camels kneel down near the well outside of the town, okay? Now that word kneel down is the same word, barach, where we get blessing. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, it's way more confusing than it is clarifying. It doesn't really help me at all. And so, so let me just elaborate, because I think this is really important. If you look at the word barach, and then you look at how it's related to other terms that, that have the same root, uh, you will find that there are some similarities. So, for example, another Hebrew word that is used that is similar to barach is the word for lightning in Hebrew. Um, in the book of Judges, there is one of, one of the judges is named barach, and barach literally means lightning, okay? There's another Hebrew term that is related that also comes from barach, and that word means, it's an, actually an agricultural term, and it means to take a vine, and it means to plant it down into the ground. Okay, so I want you to think about this. Here's what Jewish scholars point out. All three, all three of these things have something in common. To bend the knee, to bow down, to kneel down. Lightning, which comes down from the sky. And then to plant down into the ground. So what do all three things, of these things have in common? Well, Jewish scholars point out all three of these things talk about a descending effect. There is a downward motion that is involved in this idea of blessing. 
Okay, so I think that's very clarifying, and here's why. If I was to give you a simple definition of what blessing is in the Bible, I would say it starts here. We have to understand that blessing is a divine gift, okay? It is a divine bestowal. It is something that comes down from God, and it comes down to us. It is from God, and it is for us. Okay, that is a real simple definition. I think we have to start here if you want to understand what blessing is. I think this is what the New Testament author James has in mind in James chapter 1. Here's what he says in James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from, look, above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. What is that? It's a descending effect. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God. It is a divine bestowal. It is a divine gift. Now, now here's the thing. I, I think that if we start to understand blessing this way, it really helps us because in the Bible, what you see is that blessing involves many different things. That on one hand, yes, it involves provision. In the Bible, without a doubt, blessing sometimes shows up in the form of provision. Sometimes it comes in the form of possessions and wealth and children and those things, but it is not excluded to those things. Um, just because you don't have those things doesn't mean you're in a position where you are not blessed. The Bible actually says quite the contrary. Blessing can also refer to divine favor. God's favor has been bestowed upon you. In fact, I would argue the greatest blessing of all time in all of Scripture is God's grace to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because think about it. What is grace? Here's what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor that comes down from God to you. You don't have to work your way up to God's favor. God's favor has worked itself to you through the person of Jesus Christ. That is blessing, capital B, blessing. So blessing is anything that comes down from God. It can be provision. It can be grace. It can be protection. It can even be things like discipline. Because the Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves, his children. And so it's something that's from God, and it's for us, and it's for our betterment. Okay, it's a divine gift. And I think that for most of us, when I say that, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That doesn't seem too shocking. That doesn't seem too earth-shattering. I think many of you might agree with that definition. In fact, I think for many of us in this room, we desire that. We say, yeah, I like this idea of being blessed. I want to be blessed. I would like God's favor. I would like God's provision. I would like God to, to, to you know, descend gifts down into my life. I would like a divine bestowal. That'd be phenomenal. But here's the thing, and this is why I love Genesis chapter 12 so much, because the, Genesis chapter 12 shows us that if we stop there, that we are incomplete in our understanding of blessing. Let me explain what I'm talking about. I want you to look at with me at verse 2 and 3 again of Genesis chapter 12. So check it out. God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Barak, right? Divine gift. I'm going, to, I'm going to bestow divine favor upon you. He says, but then look at this. I'm going to make your name great and, and you will be a blessing. You're going to be a blessing. And then he says, I'm going to bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. All the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed through you. So, so here's what I want you to notice here. Blessing, biblically speaking, is not simply a divine gift, but it is also a divine responsibility. It is a divine responsibility, all right? Listen to what God says. God says, Abraham, I want to bless you, barach, so that you will be a blessing. The word blessing is baracha. You know what that means? It means to be a fountain of blessing. And so, Abra so basically, here's what God says. He says, Abraham, the reason I'm blessing you 
is not just so that you will be blessed. I'm blessing you so that you will be a fountain of blessing to the nations around you, to others around you. In other words, blessing, to put it another way, blessing is never intended to be static. It is always intended to be fluid. I'll put it one other way. Notice it does not say, it does not say we are blessed to be blessed. That's not what it says. It says we are blessed to be a blessing, okay? And this is, this is where the idea of blessing can sometimes get convoluted and misunderstood because, because it's not just a divine gift. It is. But even more than that, and in addition to that, it is a divine responsibility. God says to Abraham, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. I will fill you with blessing so that you will be a fountain of blessing to those who are around you. Now, I just got to tell you that this understanding, this theology of blessing that I'm giving you shows up all throughout scripture. So let me just give you a couple other examples of, of, of where we see this. Uh, Psalm 67, the psalmist says this. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Now, I think a lot of us really like that verse. That's a great verse. Yeah, man, I want that. God, bless me. God, may your, may your, may your, your face smile upon me. I want that. But notice he doesn't stop there because he says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that, so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. You see what he says? God, bless me so that I can be a blessing to the nations. Chances are good the psalmist probably has Genesis chapter 12 in mind while he's writing this. Um, here's another example. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, the apostle Paul says this. He says, you will be enriched in every way. I think we like that verse, right? Sounds good to me. I'd like to be enriched in every way. But notice what he says. So that, so that you can be generous on every occasion. You'll be enriched in it. You'll be blessed. Why? Not just so you can be blessed so that you can be a blessing. You can be a blessing. That blessing can flow through you. It's never intended to be static. It's always intended to be fluid. We are barach to be baraka. We are blessed to become a fountain of blessing to those around us. Now, what this does for me, I'll just tell you, is it forces me, I believe, and it should force us to ask two questions as it relates to blessing. And here's the two questions I think we need to be asking. The first one we always need to be asking is this. How have I been blessed? I think it's important that we ask that question. How have I personally, how have, I been, how have we, how have we been blessed? And in other words, I think it's important that we count our blessings because if blessings are a divine gift, that means that every good and perfect gift that we experience in this life is something that comes from God. And so it is a good thing for us to stop and to count the blessings and to give credit where credit is due. You guys, all of us, if you just stop for a second, I was to ask you, man, how have you been blessed? How have you been, just think about it, take an inventory. How have you been blessed? Now, we've all been blessed. Even, even if your life right now is crumbling around you, if you were to pause for a minute and look, my guess is you could probably point to so many blessings that all of us have. Listen, every single one of us this morning is breathing. Every breath that we have is a divine gift that comes down from God. He has given that to us. Because every single one of us has life within us today. Life itself is a beautiful gift that comes down from God. We are blessed people. Uh, most of us in this room this morning, we're blessed with our health. I know some of you are struggling with your health maybe this morning. And listen, if you're at a place where you're struggling with your health, that doesn't mean that you're any less loved by God. Some people might tell you, well, you're not blessed because you don't have health. And that's not necessarily true. But for those of us who do have our health, for those of us who do, that's a blessing that God has given us. That, that, that we don't have to live in chronic pain because some of you have. That's a terrible place to be. All of us are blessed with different and unique gifts and abilities. 
As some of you in this room, and you, are, you, you have such incredible giftedness, such incredible ability, and that is from God. Some of you are like, no, it's not. I worked hard for what I got. Oh, yeah? You worked hard, huh? With what opportunities? With what intellect? With what education? All of those things were given to you by God. The opportunities that you've been given, the time and place in which you were born, the family in which you were born to, the intellect that you were endowed with from the time that you were born and you grew that is all from God. It all comes from him. Some of you are so smart. You are so intellectual. You're so logic. Your logic is so sharp, and that is something that God has given to you. It comes down from heaven because it's a reflection from God. Some of you in this room, you are incredible business builders. You are entrepreneurial geniuses. You could build, you could build circles around us in business. You're just incredible, and that is something that comes from God. Some of you are uber creative, so creative. You come up with some of the most creative, ingenious ideas, and that is a reflection of the creativity of our God. That is a gift he has given you. Some of you guys, you can fix anything with your hands. And by the way, I thank God for you. I marvel at that because I'm the kind of guy, I, everything I touch, I break. And so I thank God that God has given some of you. This is from God. God has given you. We have so much to thank God for. Our, our life, our gifts, our abilities, our health. I mean, the list goes on and on. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the greatest blessing that we have is Christ himself. The gospel, full acceptance by God, divine favor found in grace. We are all very blessed. But listen, we can't just stop by asking the question, how have I been blessed? We have to ask the second question, and that's this one. Why have I been blessed? Why? Because if it's not just just a divine gift, but it's also a divine responsibility, that means that it's not enough that we just count our blessings. We also have to consider them. We also have to stop and ask God, why is it that you've put me in this position of blessing and how can I now take the blessing that you've given me and become a fountain of blessing to the world around me? How can I do that? Because blessing is not just a divine gift, it's also a divine responsibility. And I think it's so important we ask the second question. And the reason I think it's so important is because oftentimes what happens when we hear the term that we are blessed to be a blessing, we tend to adore the first part of that statement and resist the second part. We tend to be like, yeah, man, I love the idea of being blessed. I want to be blessed. Blessed. I pray for blessing. God, I want my food to be blessed. Bless this Twinkie that I'm about to eat, right? And we like the idea of being blessed. But listen, if we stay at blessed and we never move to becoming a blessing, we misunderstand blessing. And there is a very real danger that if we stop here and it doesn't move on to the second part, that we will lose what the biblical picture of blessing is really all about. I think there's dangers here. There's dangers when we stop here. We, we get in danger of becoming spiritually constipated, right? I, I, pardon the metaphor, but if you think about it for a minute, right, what happens? What's intended for my nutrition and my growth and my health ends up becoming something that makes me bloated, and eventually, if I don't take care of it, it's going to lead to my demise, right? Again, pardon the metaphor, but it's true. Blessing is intended to flow, right? It's intended... It's like the spiritual ex-lax. I don't, I'm going to stop with this metaphor. And that's, that's the picture. It flows through us, and it's supposed to go, that's not a blessing. That's something different, right? What am I talking about again? Yeah, so, it's, but it's intended to, it's, that's how blessing works, though. We are blessed to be a blessing. And if we, if we stop with blessed and we don't move on to blessing, I think there's a very real threat that, that eventually what God has intended for our good is actually going to harm us. You know, this is, this is actually something the Bible teaches. You guys might remember in, Gen, in uh, uh, Luke chapter 12, Jesus actually 
was talking to his disciples. And, and I don't know if you guys remember what he said, but he said, I'll just tell you the parable he gave, but he started off his parable in Luke chapter 12 by saying this in verse 15. He said, I want you to watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. What is greed anyway? Greed is a hoarding of blessing, right? I want to I hold on to the blessed. I don't want to move. So he says, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, hold on a second. The Bible says in other places that, uh, that abundance of possessions is a blessing from God. Yeah, that's true. And here's Jesus saying, but it's also a danger. Be careful. Watch out. And then he goes on to give this parable, and I'll summarize it. Some of you guys might remember the parable. Jesus says, once upon a time, there was a really rich guy. He was a farmer, very, very successful farmer. And he had so much grain that he had, he had two barns. He filled up his barns. He didn't have any more space. He had so much abundance. He had so much blessing that he had barns full of it. And then he said to himself, man, I got so much stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do. And they said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger barns. I'll fill those up. And then I'll retire. I'll take life easy. I'll just coast through life. I'll sit back in my chair. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, take life easy. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And then the Bible says, Jesus says, that that man dies in this parable, and he meets God. And look what God says to him in verse 20. Here's how Jesus concludes the parable, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So Jesus looks at this guy and says, you're, you're a fool. God looks at him and says, you're, you're a fool. Now listen, here's a guy, here's a guy that we would look at in our culture and we would point to him and say, this guy is blessed. Blessed. Look at how blessed he is. He's got his own business. It's growing. He's built these barns. He can retire early. This guy's blessed. If he had a Twitter account, this guy would probably tweet out a picture of his two houses, right? And then he'd be like, just built two barns, filled them with grain. Hashtag retire at 35. Hashtag blessed, right? And then God looks at him and he says, no, 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 no. Hashtag fool. You're a fool. And listen, he's not a fool because he has a lot of stuff. I want you to notice that. God is never against having a lot of stuff. Here's why he's a fool. Because he sat at being blessed and never considered what, why, and how could I be a blessing? So Jesus says, man, you're a fool. You could have been rich towards the things of God. What are the things of God? Things that propel the gospel. Things that provide needs for other people. He says, you were given much. And instead of moving on to blessing, you stopped at blessed. And so we gotta ask these questions. How have I been blessed? And why have I been blessed? Now that's a question we have to ask personally. And this is a question we have to ask as a church. All right. Now, this is where I just want to talk for a minute to the Medina East Campus family. So if you are a guest with us this morning, I just, this is really just for our family. And so you can listen in. I'm glad that if you want to, but I don't want you to feel obligated to this part. But if you're a person that comes to Medina East Campus, I think we got to ask that question. Oh, how have we been blessed? And, and let me just say, uh, kind of give you a small snap, snapshot of this. Um, the past three and a half years, since we, we started as a campus about three and a half years ago, if you didn't know, and uh, since we started as a campus in December of 2012, one of the words that I would use to describe the past three and a half years, I would use many, but one of them would be blessed. Uh, we have been blessed. And, and, and you guys know, if you've been around here for a while, we've seen God do unbelievable things. I mean, things, I, I shattered expectations that I ever had from when we first started. Uh, a few of the obvious ways, probably the most obvious way, is just by how many people have been coming. 
it's out of control. Let me just show you real quick an attendance graph that we created um, that, that kind of shows our growth trajectory over the past three and a half years. So since we started it in December of 2012, all the way up to this date, the Medina East Campus has effectively grown over two and a half times in our attendance size. And effectively, it's been about three times the size that was since, since we first began. Uh, Power Kids has over tripled. So God has blessed us with a lot of kids. After we did the sex series, our, our childcare went nuts. It was awesome. And uh, it's great. We praise God for that. And it's awesome. There's a couple ways you can build a church. And so, so we've been watching that happen. Our, our life groups have grown un- unbelievably as well. Our, our, all of our ministries are growing in these ways. Even since last year, just, just in this past the 12 months, we have seen our campus grow 35%. And attendance. Now, just to give you some sense of scale of what that looks like, we are among the, the top 0.1% of the fastest growing churches in the, in the nation right now. Um, church growth experts have different categories for growth. Um, so they, they have healthy growth and there's steady growth, and then there's explosive growth. And they put us in a category that they just call supernatural. They're like, we don't know. It's just out of control. And, and listen, of course, please hear me. We're not all about attendance numbers, that's not what we're chasing but we know that every one of these numbers represents a person and represents a soul, which, represents, which matters to God and which matters to us. And so that matters. And so one of the ways that God has blessed us is just with the sheer volume of people who have been coming. Another way God has blessed us so pra- is just in amazing ways is the life change that accompanies that growth. Man, story after story of people who have gotten connected to the gospel or reconnected to the gospel in a fresh way. Story after story of addictions that have been broken, of marriages that are on the mend because of the life-giving power of the gospel. And, and you know, through this series, one of the things that we're going to do every week, subsequent up to Saturday services, is we want to show you a highlight reel of some of that life change, just to give you a sampling of some of the stuff that's happening. It's unbelievable what we're seeing, what God is doing in people's lives. It's a life change. And of course, I would say the greatest blessing that we've been given as a, as a church is that we have been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest blessing of all time. The Apostle Paul says about the gospel, the message that we are more messed up than we think we are, but we're more accepted than we could imagine. The the Apostle Paul says about that message, he says that it is the power of God for salvation. You guys, that is the power to change lives. And guess what? We have it. We have it. We have the gospel. We get to carry the gospel. But listen, here's here's the thing. If we stop there, if we just say, man, we are so blessed. Look at how blessed we are. And we never ask the second question. We are in danger of losing the very blessing that God has given us. Because we're blessed so that we can become a blessing. That's why God has blessed us, right? And so the second question we gotta ask as a campus is, why has God blessed us? And I know why, and you know why. God has blessed us so that we can move on to becoming a blessing to those around us. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to the nations. It's not just a gift. It's also a responsibility that God has entrusted us with, and we have to stop and consider it. So listen, the reason we're moving to Saturday evening services, the reason we're deciding to, do, to make a move like that, it's a bold move. Be honest with you, it's a stretch. It's going to be a stretch. If, if you think, oh, this is something that, that they'll pull off, you're wrong, because it's going to take us as a family collectively doing this together. That's just what it's going to take. But I am convinced, we are convinced that this is the right move to make because God has entrusted us with blessedness and so we now need to become a blessing. It is unacceptable to me that right now, currently as we stand, we cannot accommodate any more growth. We cannot grow anymore as a campus. 
That is unacceptable that there are people who want to go to church and they can't because there's not enough seats for them. We've got to change that. We've got to change that. And so we'll do whatever it takes to take our blessedness and to become a blessing. All right, so what does that look like? Well, here, again, this is just for the Medina East Campus. Well, we're asking everyone who calls Medina East Campus home, and even if you're on the fence, if you're like, I don't know if I want to call it home, maybe this is the decision where you're like, okay, I'm going to start calling this home because I'm in, man. I am in. We are blessed to be a blessing. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. We're challenging everyone on our campus to involve themselves in four ways, okay? Now, if you guys got them, I want you to get your programs. In your programs, we have something um, that is a, uh, this is just a, a response card, Okay? I want you to pull that out. If you're part of the Medina East family, pull that out. Get it in your hand. All right, we are asking everyone who's part of the Medina East campus to be connected in four ways. This is nothing new. If you've been around here, these are the same four ways that we've always talked about. Uh, but let me just kind of talk you through this. Now, I'm just going to tell you, we don't, I actually don't want you to fill out this card right now. I'm just going to walk you through it. I want you to take it home. All right? I want you to pray on it. I want you to, if you're married, I want you to talk to your spouse about it. Just do it that way, okay? So on the top there, your name, some of that information. Here's the first way we're asking people to get connected. First way is this, to pray. We want to encourage everyone who's, who's a believer here to mobilize themselves in prayer, okay? We want to pray together towards some of these ways that we could be a blessing to our community. Um, there are many very practical ways that we can do this together as a campus. And if you check that box and send that in, uh, we, will, we will send to you uh, multiple ways that you can kind of get involved in, in, uh, in praying together. One of the practical ways we're doing that, Clark mentioned, is that every Saturday leading up to the launch of Saturday evening services starting this week, we're going to meet together here at 515 to pray. And so this week we're going to pray. Next week we're going to do prayer and communion. And then that final week before Saturdays, we're going to pray and then we're going to go into our community and we're going to pray together. Listen, we just understand that divine blessing is something that comes from God. There's nothing that we can do as human beings to manufacture that. And so because of that, we want to pray as a first response, not a last resort. And so this is a way that we can get everyone mobilized in prayer. So if you check that box, that's a very easy but an unbelievably important way to get connected to what's happening. Okay, so the first thing is pray. Here's the second one, okay? And the second thing, if you're part of the Medina East Campus family, if you attend here regularly, is serve, okay? Is to serve in some capacity, I don't know a soft way to say this, so I'm just going to say it. <clears throat> if you are a regular attender, if you attend here at the Medina East Campus, we need you to start serving. We, we need you to, okay? And, and, and I understand that it's easy to walk into a place like this, very easy, and just say, man, they got everything they need. They're all put together. It's easy to pull into a place like this and say, they, they got people to park my car, someone held the door, the coffee was hot, the children's check-in was manned, and there was a person with a smiling face. I came in, the band was on point, the sermon was incredible, the pastor was very attractive and winsome, and, uh, and everything, they, you know, why are you laughing at that? And you're just like, man, this church, they, got, they have everything they need. They got everything they need. They don't need me. And let me just tell you, if you think that way, let me just let you in on this. It's all an illusion. All right? It's not true. And, and the reality is that right now, the, the Medina East Campus, the body of Christ at the Medina East Campus is stretched. It is stretched. And if we move into Saturday evening services, we have effectively doubled our serving needs. And so if you're like, oh, I'm just kind of waiting to get involved, well, here's your opportunity, all right? We absolutely need you to jump in as we move this direction. Uh, there's a couple ways to do that. You can jump into the connection pathway if you haven't already. There's an intro today. 
And so if you, if you want to take your first step, you can just come this afternoon. We'll buy you lunch. We'll watch your kids. If you can't make it today, we have one next week. You can get involved there if you would like to. Also outside, just right outside of these doors, there's a, a list of volunteer needs. There's a wall that's out there. It has all of the needs that we're looking to fulfill. And so if you, if you want to grab one of those, grab one of those. Fill it out. We'll contact you. We'll get back to you. We'll help get you connected. If you're a person that's like, dude, I'll just do whatever. Put me in, coach. I'll do whatever. I would encourage you, grab one of those yellow cards out there. Those yellow cards are high urgency. They're the most urgent needs as we move to Saturday evening services, okay? But we're asking, man, if, if you are a person who's part of the body of Christ here, we need your spiritual gifts. We need the things that God has given you as we move forward together because we're blessed so that we can be a blessing, that we can turn and be a blessing. And so pray, serve. The third thing is make disciples. Make disciples. You've probably heard us talk about this quite a bit at the Medina East Campus. Listen, there are so many people here who are just coming to know Jesus for the first time. So many new Christians or people who are just getting connected to the gospel. And there are also a good amount of you who've been in church for a long time. And we need these people who are just coming to know Jesus to help get them connected with someone who's further along in their walk in discipleship. We need that. And so many of you have been blessed in those ways, but maybe you're not activated yet as a disciple maker. And we would love to connect you in those ways. And so if you check that box, what that means is we're gonna follow up with you. We'll point to disciple making trainings that we have. We wanna do everything we can to support you because if you've been blessed in this way, we wanna turn and become a blessing to others. Okay, on the flip side of this thing, you'll also see the next category is give. This is financial giving. I know that the moment I bring up this topic, I'm the, most, the least popular guy in the room. Uh, but the reality is that there is a financial component to ministry and to moving into Saturday evening services. What you guys might not know is that all the ministry that happens at the Medina East Campus is funded by the Medina East Campus. And, and, so, and so there's no outside stream of income. We're not selling anything or anything like that. It's just generosity of the people who are part of our family together that we give to this together. And so let me just give you, I think it's, for those of us who are part of the family, it's important that you have a snapshot of what our financial reality is and what we're looking to aim at. So let me just show you a quick graph. Uh, this graph actually represents our current giving and the projected giving that we need to be at to be in a healthy place by the end of this year. Okay, so fiscal year 2016, the average giving per month that we had was about $68,300 per month. I think it's also important, by the way, that I mention that I do not know who gives what. I don't know, and I don't want to know. Pastor Seth does not know who gives what. We have a financial team that deals with that. I don't touch it. I stay out of it. The only giving that I know about at the Medina East Campus is Tony Levigny's and Jessica Levigny's, my family's giving. That's it. But what we, know, what we know right now is that currently about $68,300 per month is what comes in through giving. Where we need to be with the increase of ministry that we've experienced over these past three years and with the increase in staff that we need to healthily go to Saturday evening services, and I say healthily, not, not, flirt, not in a abundance, but in a healthy way, is we need to move to about $93,000 per month. Okay, now let me just let that sink in for a minute. That is a $25,000 per month difference. Again, $25,000 per month difference to be in a healthy position by the end of this year. All right, now, I know for some of you, when I say that, you think, man, that is, a, that is very advantageous. That is a massive increase. But let me just kind of ease your conscience for a minute to let you know that with our finance team, we've done a giving analysis, and we have found that the idea of a campus of our size giving at this amount is extremely reasonable. Let, let me just kind of break it down for you a little bit. We did a giving analysis, and here's what we found. Now, again, I don't know what anyone gives, 
I just know the basic overview. And here's what we found, that of the families that come here to the Medina East Campus, roughly about 250 families give, have given in 2016, roughly about 250 families. And that's really good. But here's what we also found, that the vast majority of that number, two-thirds, the most common gift is less than $100 a year. So that's what, this is what it means. It means that most of, most of the family who gives here to Grace Church, if they do, it's like a couple bucks in the plate every once in a while, maybe 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. The most common gift is $100 or less per year. What that also means is that there is a small minority of people who are carrying the financial privilege of our ministry here. A very small, about 75 families are carrying that weight that, that financial privilege together through that, all right? Now, again, I'm not saying that to guilt trip anyone, and I know you might not hear it that way, but I'm not. I just think as a family, it's important that you understand the landscape of where we are financially. This is where we really are financially. Our financial growth has not caught up to our numerical growth, right? We just need to catch up to that. It's an area that we need to work in together. So if you are part of the Medina East Campus family, here's what I'm asking you to prayerfully consider when you go home. On the back of those cards, you'll notice I want you to analyze what the past 12 months have looked like for you. What does your giving situation look like? Pray about that, right? Here's the second thing. I want you to commit, we're asking everyone who's part of the Medina East Campus, part of the family, to being a 4P giver. Let me explain what 4P is. 4P stands for prayerful, percentage. So percentage is not, I'm just gonna, you know, if I have any leftovers, I'll just throw a couple bucks. This is no, I have predetermined that I'm going to give a percentage of my income to the Lord and to the work of the Lord and to my church family. And that's what we're asking everyone to do, be, be a, a percentage giver. For some of you, that's a brand new concept. And we're gonna talk later in this series of why we believe it. that's a biblical concept, why it's a biblical idea to be a percentage giver. If that's a brand new idea, I say start with 1%, start with 2%, start there if you need to and kind of move in that way, okay? So it's prayerful, percentage, planned, so this is not just haphazard, I give every once in a while, it's planned and then it's persistent. It's ongoing giving. And so we wanna encourage everyone to connect in those four ways to giving. The third thing, I commit to giving online through Gracelink. So Gracelink, as many of you know, is an online giving tool that we have. My wife and I use this tool, it's how we give. It's the way to automate the important. And so my wife and I kind of give through that means as well. And then the last thing is, if you're a person that says, I would like to meet with someone to talk more about this whole giving aspect. We have people that would love to meet with you and maybe grab a cup of coffee and talk to you about some of these things, okay? So pray, serve, make disciples, give. And the final thing I want you to process through on this card at the bottom is, let me know which services you plan to attend, okay? We're asking that anyone who calls Medina East home would commit to three months to basically landing on either Saturday or Sunday. And the reason we're doing that is because we just want to make sure that we equally disperse at the beginning. We just want to make sure that when we start Saturdays, there's not like five people there. And I'm like, hey, Bob, how you doing? You know, and we just want to start with an equal dispersion. So, so I understand some of your schedules are funky and you're like, well, sometimes I'm going to be Saturday. Sometimes I'm going to be Sunday. That's fine. But by and large, which one can you commit to? And if you're like, I can go either way, just let us know and we will assign you to a Saturday or Sunday just for the first three months as we kind of adjust to that. Okay, so listen, I got some good news and bad news. Here's the good news. The good news is we, as the Medina East Campus family, have everything that we need to make this move into this next step that we believe God is leading us into. The bad news is, is that not all of our needs, that, not all the things that we need have been activated yet, right? So, so the good news is we have 
all of the spiritual gifts that we need represented in our church right now to move to Saturday services in a very healthy way. The bad news is many of us are just not serving it. And so, the, so, and so, so we have the blessedness that we need to become the blessing that we need to become. The good news is that we have all the financial resources. We have all the prayer warriors. We have all the disciple makers that we need. The bad news is they just haven't been activated yet. And so this is an invitation to move in that way. But let, me just, let me just say this, and, and then we'll, we'll be finished. But listen, I think I just need to say this. I know for some of you, and, and when I, the moment that I say, you guys, I want to talk about serving and giving, and I want to talk about praying and making disciples. For some of you, you immediately shut, shut down. And your first thought is, yep, here we go again. There's another pastor talking about money. Just wants my time, just wants my resources. That's all they ever want. It's all these guys ever want. They're all the same. And, uh, and let me just say, if that's the way you think, first off, I, ca- I can understand that. I really can't because unfortunately, there has been a lot of very irresponsible things that have happened in the church as it relates to these categories. And so I understand that. I really do understand that. But, but I also just want to let you know that if that is your attitude, and I don't know if you'll believe me or not, but I'll just be honest with you. I don't want anything from you. And I, I, I genuinely mean that. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And, and, and listen, I am, I am not a salesperson. Some of you are really good at that. I'm not. I'm not a salesperson. I am not a fundraiser. I am not um, a recruiter. Some of you are awesome at those things. That's just not what I do. I'm a pastor. I'm a Bible teacher. And apparently from that video we showed earlier, I'm a giant goofball. And that is true, right? But listen, I love Jesus and I love his church. And I believe the things that he said. I really do. I don't want anything from you. I just don't. I want something for you. Because I believe that when Jesus said, you are more blessed when you give than you receive, that he meant it. And if I just looked at you and said, just sit in the place of being blessed all the time, just be comfortable and be blessed, I wouldn't be doing you any favors. I don't want that for you. I don't want that. I don't want you to miss out on the joy and the delight of what it is to move from being blessed to becoming a blessing. I want that for you. So if you're like, this guy just wants my money. This guy just wants me to serve. You know what I would challenge you to do if that's, if that's your heart? Don't give here. Don't serve here. Don't. But listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do it somewhere. Do it somewhere. Because, because I want something for you, all right? I want something for our community. I want something for this world. And I believe it's found in the church of Jesus Christ. And so if, you, if, if, you don't, if you're like, dude, this just rubs against me the wrong way, that's okay, I understand it. Don't give here. Don't serve here. Don't make disciples here. You can pray for us. I'd appreciate that, okay? But do it somewhere. Do it somewhere. Because I want something for you. Listen, when we just stop at being blessed and we just sit here and we never move to being blessed, but a blessing, we miss out on what God wants for us. We miss out on the true blessing of what it means to be a child of God. And that's something that we want for you. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as they do, I just want to close out with one final story that I think kind of applies to this whole conversation. I was thinking about this story earlier of a guy named Larry Walters. Some of you might remember Larry Walters. His story was famous in 1982. Uh, Larry Walters is sometimes called, um, 
is sometimes called a lawn chair Larry. I don't know if that rings a bell for some of you. But lawn chair Larry was in California in 1982. He decided one day uh, that he was going to tie 45 weather balloons to a lawn chair and try to hover above his neighborhood. I don't know what prompted this idea. I'm not quite sure. Later, interviewers asked him kind of what was your thinking, and he said, I just wanted to see the neighborhood from a slightly different perspective. So he wanted to go up in his lawn chair. His hope was that he could just hover about 30 to 100 feet above his neighborhood. So he got his weather balloons, got his friends, tied down the chair, put the things on there, filled them with helium, took with him nothing more than a peanut butter sandwich, a BB gun, and, of course, a, a six-pack of beer. And so he sat down, got all the stuff around, got his friends, and he had his friends untie his chair, hoping that what would happen is that he would lazily saunter up to about 30 to 100 feet. But of course, what really happened is when they untied the anchors, Larry instead shot up like a cannon, instantly going to about 12,500 feet. So Larry, being terrified in that situation, did what I think what any of us would do in that, that situation. He drank the beer. So he <laughs> drank the six-pack, and then partially because of the alcohol and partially because of the altitude, he passed out. And so about an hour later, and about 300 miles of drifting in a jet, a, jet stream away from his original launch position, he was sighted by a commercial airplane pilot, which I can't imagine what that was like, you know, and they got him down, I don't even know how they did it, they got him down, and they, they, those type of things, they, and they gave him a massive fine, huge fine for invading airspace, and then they asked him three questions, and according to an author named J.D. Greer, these are the three questions they asked him, the first one was Larry, the interviewers, Larry, were you scared, Larry's answer, Yes. Question number two. Larry, would you do it again? Larry's answer. No. Third question. Larry, why did you do it? He said, I just got tired of sitting around doing the same thing all the time. Listen, here, here's the truth, you guys. I think that for some of us spiritually, we feel like that. You know, when we sit in a position of being blessed, said, I'm just blessed. I just want to be fed and I just want to be blessed. What happens is, it creates a complacency in us. It creates um, a comfort in us. And it stagnates our spiritual growth. And eventually we get bored. We just get bored. And I think that there is blessing that God has in store for us. And it's found in taking a step and joining God's mission. And saying, man, I'm, gonna, I'm, going to, I'm going to gain by losing. It's the paradoxical math of the kingdom of God. When you try to hoard your blessing, when you try to keep it, you lose it. But when you give away your blessedness, you find it, you gain it. That's the way the kingdom works. And that's what I want for you. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, I just wanna say thank you so much for your word to us. The reality is, God, that we are blessed to be a blessing. And both of those things are true. And that is a theological, comprehensive understanding of what it means to be blessed, that it is a divine gift and it is a divine responsibility. It's both. Father, it's intended to flow. It's not to be static in our hearts. It's to move through us. So, Father, I pray that, um, that you would just move in our hearts. God, allow us to consider, to count our blessings, to ask, how have we been blessed? But I pray, Jesus, it wouldn't stop there. Help us to ask the second question. Why have we been blessed? What can we do to become a fountain of blessing to those around us, to our world and to the nations? God, how can we do that? That's what we want to be. That's what we want to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts. I pray, Jesus, that you would lead us into a place of faith, that we would take big, bold steps of faith to join in your mission and to join in what you're doing in this world. 
God, I want to thank you that you, that you are one who gained by losing. That Jesus, the gospel is one that tells us that you lost all that we might gain as a result of it. So encourage our hearts, Father. I pray we take this message, that we process it in a healthy way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.